The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. And a good morning to you. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. Um, it's always a joy to, uh, to share with you. I'll be, I'll be sharing briefly. Uh, this morning, I, I'm hoping to just do things slightly differently, and so I have... Um, ask a couple of friends to share um, as we press into God's Word. So at some point, I will be inviting them up uh, to share with us uh, briefly. Uh, but before we go into God's Word, I'm just going to ask uh, Pete and Fiona, do you want to just come up? Uh, let's just welcome them as they, they come up on stage. Uh, they're just going to be, okay, I'll just wait for you to come up here. And... Um, I just, I just love the faithful service of these guys in their community, and I just said to them, would you just share with us briefly what your Connect Group and 242 Group have just been up to in your community, because I'm just aware that you engage very much with the local community. So I just thought for two minutes, starting now, you could, you could <laughs> share with us briefly what, what, what you have been up to. Basically, I, I did check with Sam, and it just sort of run over from our community group, which we did. Uh, Fiona in particular got a heart for the community at that point and we gathered some really good people around us and got into the community and run play groups and craft groups and things like that so that's very much sort of bedded into our heart um, so that developed until Covid and a lot of that had to come to an end unfortunately um, but Fiona in a steadfastness or went onto the internet and got a website going and we carried on regardless and even now we have people coming to our house there's many visitors regularly come in to make craft and uh, and they, they're sold on the internet and other places like craft fairs so that's sort of the brief history but now we're into the 242 uh, season and we still have very much a heart to be in the community what Paul mentioned the other week about the fragrance of Christ we feel that's very uh, with us when we go you know in the spirit we take the fragrance of Christ so even as a 242 group we tend to hire halls and sit there and pray for the local community not only to build ourselves up because that's very important we study the word we get into subjects like faith and does, does God speak to us and things like that and we try and go deeper but in doing that, we're looking also outward to the community around us because we know that God loves them uh, as much as he loves us and he wants them in his family. So, is there anything you would like to um, There's just one story, actually, which I wanted to um, say about how the craft, over many years, really, the craft group has kind of opened doors for us into different areas um, and led us to having contacts with St Michael's Hospice and... Uh, the Children's Centre and the Tourist Information Place and all those sort of places. Um, but one time when we were at Asda, we had our craft stall at Asda, um, there was a lady who... I only just discovered this just recently. Um, we started making contact... We have had contact recently with Sarah Lee Trust um, and have started raising money for them. And there was this lady who's actually one of the workers at Sarah Lee who actually came to me and said that she had many years ago come up to us um, at Asta to our craft stall and when she was going through a really dark and difficult time she was in the 
um, had pancreatic cancer and there wasn't much hope. Um, and she had actually seen one of the little angels that we did on our craft stall, which was just like a little stone with an angel on that said, just a reminder that God loves you. And she had taken this angel with her. Um, and when she was in hospital up in London, I think it was in St. Thomas's, um, she had actually had a visitation from a real angel. She'd mm. seen this angel standing at the end of her bed, which was mm. just incredible. So, mm. yeah, we just thank the Lord for yeah. all that he's been doing. Praise really. God. Praise God. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you very much. All right. Now, briefly, I don't have much time, I suppose. And so if you've got your Bibles, please stand with me to Philippians and to chapter 3. Um, just be reading two verses to us, um, and, um, and then we'll share a few, a few thoughts with us. So Philippians into chapter uh, 3, just looking at the whole subject of a noble ambition. Philippians chapter 3, Paul writing to the believers in Philippi, and um, towards the end of his letter, this is what Paul the apostle says to them. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to read that again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. A pretty simple question. What is God's plan for people? So granted that people have come to know the Lord Jesus as their savior, if people have come to know Jesus as their rescuer, what is God's ultimate plan for men, women, and children in the, in the nations of the world? I believe we can infer from Scripture that God's ultimate plan is this, that people will know his son Jesus and that people will aim to become like him. In John chapter 17, verse 3, these are Jesus' words. Jesus says, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know you, not just you, but that they know Jesus as well, whom you have sent. Because our two boys are getting into their football more and more, oftentimes we go to football games. And I have discovered that for a lot of the kids at these games, they all have their football idols. And oftentimes you can tell one, because of the hairstyles, and so there's a few Jack Grealish fans, and you can see from the hairstyle, so the kids would have their hair styled like that. Sometimes they would wear the shirt and shirt number of their favorite football player. Sometimes, for those who like the likes of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and things like that, they would even go for his football boots. But it's so, and some, I, I forgot this one, oftentimes there are celebrations as well. They see these players as their role models or idols, and so oftentimes they want to be like them. But you see, the thing about trying to be like somebody is this. If you don't know the person, you cannot try to be like them, can you? 
And so for a lot of these kids, they see these stars. They probably, to some degree, know them. They see the way they go about scoring goals and playing football. And so they aim to emulate them on their on the field of play. I am not talking about football. That was just meant to be an analogy. But God's ultimate goal, like I said, is that we will, one, know Jesus, and then secondly, we will learn and aim to be like him. And so in these verses that I read to you, Paul effectively expresses the same truth. We see two parts to this goal. On the one hand, Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. This Jesus who died, was buried, but was raised from the dead and is alive forever. And so that changes everything. I want to know this Jesus. And then secondly, he says, I don't just want to know him. I want to then be like him. Let's look at the first part of Paul's ambition, to know Jesus. Now, you all know that like any relationship, it starts with a meeting. And so that's where the relationship, you meet somebody and then a relationship blossoms. It starts with a meeting. And Paul, who writes this, had an amazing encounter with the risen Lord. And so in Acts chapter 9, you can read that later. Paul, who had been breathing murderous threats against the believers, is on his way to Damascus. He had letters to arrest believers, bring them back to Jerusalem, and have them thrown into jail. On the way to Damascus, he has an encounter with the living, the risen Lord and Savior. He's knocked off, whether his donkey or horse, we don't know, but he's knocked to the ground. And in that moment, Jesus changes this man's heart. This man who not too long ago had been giving approval for the stoning of another Christian, Stephen, suddenly he encounters the Lord Jesus. He is a transformed man. It was quite a dramatic experience. And I know that many here would have had some kind of experience for some of you it was the fact that as a child, your parents maybe told you stories from the Bible. For others, it was the fact that, yeah, you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe for some of you, it was the fact that you were going through a pretty difficult part and you reached out in your crisis. You reached out and Jesus likewise reached out and saved you and rescued you. For some, it wasn't very dramatic, and so you don't even remember the place or time. But certainly, if you have asked Jesus into your heart, you can say you know Jesus. If Jesus lives in your heart, you can sit here with confidence and say, I know Jesus. But that knowing doesn't stop there. Paul says, we want to be like him. I remember meeting my wife because I was, I was minding my own business in Ghana, working in a school, and my wife had come. She was actually going to take my job, and I was going to go church planting. So my wife arrives, and then my pastor at the time says, oh, Sam, we're going on holiday, so could you show Claire around? I'm thinking, oh, brilliant. Anyway, so we go in this car, and I would do a bit of a whistle-stop tour of a cry, and I'm showing you, oh, this is that place and all that. And at the end of 
our time exploring the beautiful city of Accra in Ghana, it became apparent that we liked each other. And so we thought, oh, praise the Lord for that. Well, we will not rush things, but we will take our time getting to know each other. So it started with a meeting, and then beyond that, there was a developing of this relationship, a building of friendship in order to know one another or each other. The second part of Paul's ambition is this, not just to know Jesus, but to be like him. And he helps us with some key things. He says this, in being like Jesus, the more we get to know him, the more we are different. And in these verses, Paul shows us the components and the direction of the change that goes along with knowing Jesus. The first thing is this, to be like Jesus requires that we know the power of his resurrection. To be like Jesus requires that we know the power of his resurrection. Listen, before Jesus came into our lives, the Bible says we were, we were dead in our sins and in our transgressions. Our hearts could not respond to him. We couldn't hear him. We couldn't see him. We couldn't marvel at his greatness and his power. We were separate from him. We were dead in our sins, but Jesus in his mercy and in his grace reached out to us while we were in the dark. He reached out to us. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead reached out to us when we were dead in our sins. Guess what? We were made alive. Praise God for that. One minute, our hearts, praise God, it's okay to clap, it's okay. One minute, our hearts cannot respond to him. The next moment, he's giving us brand new desires. Don't you love Jesus? One minute, you cannot hear him. The next minute, you open up the scriptures and things are just popping up like that. One minute, you don't want to have anything to do with him. The next minute, you can't stop enjoying his presence. One minute, you feel condemned all the time. The next moment, you know you are free from condemnation. One moment, you are in the dark, you cannot see. The next minute, you have been transported from the darkness into the light, and you can see your way around. One minute, you are dead completely oblivious to all that God's doing, the next moment you are alive and wanting to live for him. Paul had known the power of Jesus' resurrection. He'd encountered Jesus. And many of you here have encountered this Jesus and he lives in you. But if you're here this morning and you do not as yet know him, I'm just going to be asking two friends to just come and tell us what Jesus means for them. Is that okay? They're just going to share briefly, and then I haven't finished my preach, and then I'll continue for a little bit. So Petra, do you want to come up first? So Petra, you want to come up? So this is, Petra is part of the Bexhill venue, and... Um, 
You're originally from Austria, are you? And um, also a teacher at St. Richard's. Uh, she's friends of ours. Uh, she's come, come to know Jesus. And um, do you want to just share with us yeah, briefly absolutely. what Jesus means um, for you? So my journey as a Christian actually began by reading the Bible. And um, to be honest, I thought the Bible is a set of rules, you know, do this, don't do that. And then when I started reading the Bible, I've realized that it's full of stories of the broken, the weak, the helpless, the suffering, the vulnerable, the lost, the lonely, the rejected, the mistreated. And I could identify with the stories and I could identify with the people and um, I was comforted as well. And I was comforted because the people were given a hope and a focus and a future. And it came in the form of a person and his name is Jesus Christ who has come into our world to lead his people into freedom and we are his people and so in my own life when he came into my life he um, well the only way I can say it is that he has done for me what I simply could not do for myself and he did it in an instant the moment I believed and uh, since then, he's not just taken away my sins and my failings. He has filled me with health and with healing. And he has given me things I didn't even know existed. I had no idea that Christians walk around with this unbelievable sense of stillness and peace and health and happiness and love and joy and safety and security. And so I love talking about Jesus. Um, I love talking about Christianity, how I understand it. I love talking about the Christian faith. I am drawn to it like a moth to a flame. And just because it is not a set of rules, it is freedom, it is absolute freedom. If you are a follower of Christ, it is freedom. It brings you nothing but freedom. And so um, I, love, I love how Jesus is tidying up in my own life. I, um, I love how he is changing me bit by bit from the inside out, how he is um, helping me get rid of old thoughts and negative beliefs. And um, for me, really, I just see myself as one of his sheep. And actually once I was walking um, back from work and it wasn't a particularly difficult day or anything like that, but I was going through things in my mind and I wasn't really paying attention. And I was nearly at home when I looked up and there was a man walking in front of me with a Shaun the Sheep rucksack on his back. <laughs> and I was just reminded that the Lord is my shepherd, leading me safely and securely in this world and into eternity. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Nick, do you want to come up as well? And then Nick Beanie as well is going to share with us briefly. Thank you, Nick. Hey, guys. Um, yeah. Um, I was thinking about this this week. I've been a Christian 30 years, so it's been a long time. Um, many of you in the room know my story. There's, there are people here that are more qualified to be standing up here talking about their relationship with Jesus than me. Many of my heroes sitting in this room right now. Um, but if there's one of you in here that needs to hear my story, then I'm doing my job. Um, I grew up in a very broken home. My mum left when I was very, very young. Um, she had bipolar, she was um, suicidal at times, quite abusive. Um, I don't know much about my past, it's just a blank white piece of paper. Every now and again I get little visions, but I was, from the, from the early ages up to about 17, I was just a horrible young man. 
horrible. Horrible to my friends, horrible to my brother, really horrible to my dad. Um, I was a nasty piece of work. Um, I didn't like myself. I couldn't expect anybody else to like me. I, I would cut my arms, I would punch things, try to break my knuckles, I would self-harm, I would... I just wanted to die, but I didn't, I didn't have the guts to, to carry it out. Um, at the age of 17, my dad died. Um, I was a little bit older than my oldest son now, Noah. Um, and my world absolutely fell apart. I still sometimes feel the guilt, and I have to ask God to forgive me, but I still feel the guilt that if I would have been a little bit nicer, if I'd have been the child that my son is now, Alex, for example, he would have lived on, and things would have been different. But that's not how God works things, because it says in Romans, God works out all things together for good for those that love him and are called to his purpose. And I will tell you now, as I look over my life, that is absolutely 100% true. Mm. And nobody in this Amen. room can say, you know, that was luck. It was my own strength that's done it. Because I, I, I didn't have the strength to change. I hated every part of me. And what was worse is I was powerless to actually change anything about me. I knew that I would say things to people and I'd go away and feel guilty and just knowing that I just couldn't change. And then my dad died, and I got in with, these, with my friend Adam, who he was a really good friend, but the worst friend you could ever have. And we got into stuff we shouldn't get into, and we were stealing, and we were doing all the worst stuff. And my road, my, road, my life was heading in one direction. And then God broke in. Age 19, I came along to church, because there was a football team. And my brother was coming along, who came along with Bob, my brother. He became a Christian. He told me to come up. I just thought, what is all this? Standing in a room full of people, clappy, clappy, all hands in the air. And I was thinking, this is a bit weird. Okay. And um, there was something about it. I'd always, been, I'd always believed there was a God. If there was one, he didn't really like me, because why was my life so awful? But basically... I just sat and I just thought, there's something here. And then God just broke in. And then just one day, I just remember sitting somewhere over there in this building. And Steve Brading was pre preaching about hell and about heaven and about if you die, you're going to go to hell. It was quite serious stuff. I wasn't really listening, but I just knew straight away, actually, I've got to do something. I've got to give my life to God. Mm. Um, my friend Adam, he... Um, Sorry, Sam, I'm going on. Go for it, go for it. Um, my friend Adam, I remember a conversation I had with him in a car once. I said, look, you've got to come to church. We were still having this friendship. I was still sort of drawn to my old life, but I'd try, God was pulling me away from it. And I remember the conversation I had with him in the car. I said, look, come along to church. You really need to. And he said, one day I will. Then one day, age 30, he died of a heroin overdose. And that would have been me. That would have been me if God hadn't just gone, right, I'm having you. And I believe there's people in this room, God's touching you right now. And he's saying, I'm mm. having you. Mm. I'm having you. And once he does that, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. I'll testify. There mm. are times where I sit in bed and I think, why did you choose me? Why did I become a Christian? It's so hard. And I feel it inside that it's just so tough. But there's one thing that I cannot change. God is real. God loves me. Jesus died for me. And... 
I love him. I love him. And has it been easy? No. I've, I still struggle with depression quite severely at times. I have to medicate to keep myself at level. And it's tough, but I will be honest with you. God works out all things yes. together for good for those yes. that love him and are according to his purpose. Yes. And if you're sitting here today and you don't know him and you've got that little voice inside of you like I had 30 years ago, just do one thing for me. Just say, God, if you're here, if you're talking to me, just reveal yourself. Because yes. it's the best thing I've ever done, but it's also the hardest thing I've ever done. And I have the privilege of going into school. I'm a school teacher, seems to be a theme. And there's about 200 young children that make my world. Okay, and I get to teach them about God and I get to do assemblies. And if I can just see one of them in heaven one day, I will be happy. Yes. And so, guys, I think I've dribbled on enough and it's the best decision you can ever make. So thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Petra and Renee, for sharing um, with us. I think what I'm going to do is I'll just say one more thing and then I'll stop. I, I yeah, I, I think sometimes there's a need to change plans a bit. And, and that's absolutely fine. So Paul wants to know the power of his resurrection. And just, I just want to share this just because of what Nick just said about the fact that the fact that he has a living relationship with Jesus doesn't suddenly mean that there's no trouble. Far from that. Jesus says, in this world you would have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So our hope is in him. He doesn't call us to a trouble-free life. And Paul highlights that to be like Jesus requires knowing the fellowship of his sufferings. We cannot be like Jesus if we do not know the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, Jesus, he came to suffer for us on the cross. His, his entire ministry, his, his whole life, that was marked by misunderstanding, opposition, betrayal, and eventually death. Now, I just want you to listen to this. While we can never enter into Jesus' sufferings the same way he did, there is a sense in which we can never be like him if we do not go through suffering and learn to entrust our souls to the faithful one. And so nobody here would ever go through what he did, had to go through. But there's a sense in which if we do not effectively learn to go through suffering, we can never really be like him. And I, I say that with a lot of, um, I guess it's caution the word, but I'm, I'm just aware that that is the truth in the scriptures. Having a relationship with Jesus does not mean that all our problems disappear. In some situations, they actually multiply. But we learn to entrust our souls to the one who is faithful. Final scripture and then I'll finish. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, 
Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. It doesn't end there. We know that one day when Jesus comes again, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. That is the hope we have, not just for tomorrow, but hope for today as well. Jesus is alive, and that changes everything. Jesus is alive, and that changes everything. When I'm going through dark patches, I remind myself of that. Jesus has been through this. He is my hope, and I hold on to him. I want to encourage you, when you go through dark patches, call to mind the promises of God. Remind yourself of the promises of God. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. If you're here thinking, well, what do I do with all this? Well, two things. Obviously, if you're here and you already know Jesus, praise the Lord. Continue to press into him and enjoy your relationship with him and tell others about him. However, if you're here or you're watching, you know, us at home and you do not as yet have a living relationship with Jesus, just quickly, three things, A, B, C's. A, there's a need to acknowledge that you cannot help yourself and you cannot save yourself, that only Jesus can save. B, simply, you want to believe. You can do that yourself. And then C, you want to confess with your mouth and ask him to come into your heart and live in you. A prayer is going to pop up on a slide, hopefully. I'm just going to ask us to close our eyes. The band can come up if that's okay. The prayer is just going to sit there for a bit. Please do think about it. If you're here and would like to ask Jesus in, I really would want to urge you, don't leave here without catching up. I'm, I'm going to be jetting off to Bexhill, but please don't leave here without catching up with Dan or one or any of the other leaders. Maybe the, Nick who shared his testimony as well. Just get close to him and find out, how do I get to know this Jesus or speak to Dan or any of the other leaders? I'd like to pray for us um, and then the guys would lead us. So Jesus, we thank you that salvation is found in you and in you alone. Thank you for the testimonies we've had today, your involvement in community, your involvement in individual lives. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we want to ask that you would come and save and rescue and bring to yourself. Jesus, I pray for any here who do not as yet know you, I just want to ask that you will meet with them today. Thank you that like we heard, you are very much the shepherd. And I thank you that you look out for your sheep. And so Jesus, would you reach out? We come in faith and we say, we surrender, Jesus. We're all yours. Thank you for your amazing work amongst us in this place this morning. We love you, Jesus.
God bless you, church. God bless you.